Hey, it's Cambrio from CambrioMusic.com. Today I have a fantastic interview with Justin the Flora God. He's a musician from Florida. Check out his side project, Mitch, and his So Who's Up Next podcast. Thanks for coming by, and let's get started. Cambrio is a fucking legend. You got a guitar or something there behind you? Yeah, I got my bass behind me somewhere. It's uh, we're just chilling, just chilling. But but yeah, man. Hope you've been well. I'm excited to be on the show. Yeah, um, no, I just do this stuff. on my own on my own time, so it's great to uh, that you made the time as well. Yeah, of course. I uh, I just graduated. Um, I got an English degree this summer. I'm just chilling at my parents' house right now, so I got time. I got nothing but time. Just trying to figure out what's next. So do you ever put some like references, some literary stuff in your lyrics? Uh, nothing I can think of at the top of my head, but I don't know. I feel like I've definitely done it. Like for one of my projects um, in school, I did like a, I did a song and it was about like Moby Dick kind of, but from the whale's perspective. And while, you know, I can swing with the um, waves of inspiration as they come when it's forced and for an academic uh, kind of setting like that didn't work out too well I uh, I didn't do as well as I thought I would but it's all good it's all good you know we live and we learn you know what can I say so the whale's just chilling just minding his own business I don't even know what it was about really <laughs> it was just some bs that's why it wasn't the best thing ever because I didn't like it. there was no spark it was like okay take this classic lit and turn it into a song better than writing a paper <laughs> um, I don't know it was just a cool thing cool thing but no, I don't know about any other specific literary references, maybe here and there, but nothing, nothing super specific. I'm pulling up the lyrics now, too, just so that I can, like, accurately reference what I've writ- written. You know what I mean? Yeah, you, you don't want to force that stuff. Of course, of course. Yeah, I'm, I'm loving the Mitch release. Now, was that something that just kind of came to you or what was that process there? So with my regular stuff right because the Mitch stuff is supposed to be a side project I don't care nearly as much about it um as I do with my regular like Justin the Florida God stuff um and so the thinking was do you know who Corpse is have you ever heard of Corpse uh I know of Corpse Grinder, the guy from Cannibal Corpse no nah, that's <laughs> not not the right not the right corpse. I mean there's probably a bunch of people called Corpse but He's this uh, like Twitch streamer slash okay. also musician who has a super, super deep voice. And so like a year ago, my cousin put me on his music and I was like, hey, I bet I could do that. So I tried. And that was basically the sound from the Mitch release. Um, the Blood, Death, Revenge, like vocal style was originally modeled after that. But that was like last year. And then this time around um, and more recently for the project, I kind of refined it a little bit more. Um, and so now, like, I mean, it still sounds pretty similar to Corpse, but like I can hear there's a vocal distinction to be made between the styles. Um, and so like, I'm trying to research more like trap metal and get further into the genre. Cause I really like the sound, obviously. I like it enough to make a, a short little album out of it, but, but yeah, I don't know. Like it's, uh, it's just something I was curious about. And so I, I asked myself, hey, could I do it? And then the answer was yes. And then it turned into, okay, but how can I do it better? And that's what Blood, Death, Revenge 2, that's the sound. 
Oh, nice. So is a Twitch streamer, so is he mostly doing games when he's doing that? Yeah, so I, I think the, see, I don't, I'm, I'm not super qualified to talk about Twitch streaming and stuff like that, but I just loosely know that he does Twitch streaming and that's like his main thing. But the reason why he popped off was because his voice is so freaking deep <laughs> um, and that's just how he speaks. And so, you know, it became kind of like a, like a meme for a little bit. Um, and I remember seeing him all over the internet and just a bunch of people freaking out like, yo, dude, this dude's voice is crazy deep. And my voice is like pretty deep, but it's not crazy deep, but I can get it there. And it's not really like me pitching it down either. Like for the most part, it's like, quote unquote, natural just my voice you know what i mean which is nice because something that i realized also with just music in general is like trying to translate sounds from my head especially like vocal ideas from my head into the actual mix or song doesn't always translate super smoothly for me um and that's kind of the weakest part of my like production game but with the mitch stuff like it's super easy because i'm not moving my voice around all the time i'm literally just getting like super close to the mic and getting really deep like this and talking like that essentially that's the whole thing and so you do that you know once twice seven times and boom you got yourself a little ep album thing so it's, it's almost like an asmr trap metal yeah yeah so it's it's weird because it's like i think the technique is called vocal fry and that's essentially what i'm doing which is also like a proper metal rock screamo technique that um has been kind of co-opted by the trap metal genre and so i was i got to figure out how to do it loud because the moment i figure out how to scream properly it's over it's over for the rest of music and and what i mean by that is i'm going to take over even more but until then i got this kind of quiet sound and i mean i'm kind of low-key anyway so that's kind of it works with it but eventually one of these days, maybe for a Blood Death Revenge 3 or whatever comes next, I'll try to get into a, like proper screaming stuff. I just don't want to kill my voice because if you do it wrong, you can really hurt yourself. And that's uh, no bueno in music land. So <laughs> I'll figure it out eventually. You got to get it down from the diaphragm or something. I, I've, I've heard something. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I've done a lot of research. And so every time I go to practice, it just results in me uh, hurting myself a little bit. But, you know, eventually... I'll, you know, hopefully kind of break into whatever the final thing's going to be. I don't know. I think it's just trial and error. Got to do some more research. Got to put some more hours in. Eventually something is bound to work out, I think. No, it's awesome how, you know, inspiration can really come from anywhere. Because who would think that like just some guy who gets a meme voice can like catapult something else, you know? Yeah, exactly. It's, um, it's pretty cool because it before corpse right before i even heard it i'd heard of the genre like trap metal i think like ghost man or suicide boys and stuff like that but their flows are really um i guess we'd call it like choppy choppy uh very fast like um i don't know not like a little uzi vert or something like that it's really really different but fast enough to where it's like you can't really pick up or i can't really pick up on what's being said um but it's more of just the cadence and, and carrying the energy and then on the other side of that, there's like the the growl kind of trap metals, metal sounds that I do that I'm kind of taking part in, which is really cool. Equally as good. I got to do more research because like, I feel like I made this trap metal album, which by all means, I think falls under trap metal, but I haven't listened to too much 
other too many other artists in the genre and so a few times people were like yo like it sounds like ghosty man it sounds like suicide boys i'm like cool what because <laughs> I, I gotta just um listen to them more you know to actually take proper musical references um because it's mainly just me asking myself how loud can i turn up the bass and distort it before it's too gross and people won't want to listen to this because I, I really i really really like the the distorted bass sound like i grew up on like dubstep and stuff like that in like middle school i remember finding dubstep and just being like so entranced by the bass sounds and then when i finally learned how to produce stuff like that and make my own 808s like i don't know it was just cool it was just cool but yeah i don't know <laughs> i don't really know where i was going with that just a bunch of really cool sounds that's that's all i'm going for here yeah, I wonder if in the uh, the Spotify year wrap, it'll create a genre for you. <laughs> when it... Yeah, that'll be funny. I think it kind of, I think it fits. Like it, the vocal style, the production style, um, it's just not clean. So there's like a lot of other other artists that have like a cleaner sound, even though technically it's distorted. But the the distortion that I'm going for all across the project is like how much of the bass can carry most of the mix. So it's like 80% bass, 20% everything else um which normally i'd say it's like 50 50 in like trap and hip-hop and rap and r&b between the vocals and the actual production but yeah i don't know it's just a cool thing to think about because it's like how far can you push sound before people won't like it anymore and so i think i've reached it on some of them because like i i knew going into like releasing this that it wouldn't be the most popular thing because it's not pop music right it's a super niche genre that even then I'm turning all the knobs past 11 um, to, to breaking point, you know? So I don't know. I'm just, just trying to make some really cool sounds, push the genre, I guess, too. But it's more of like, how absurd can we make this? You know, like, that's why I called it Mitch, because I think that's hilarious, bro. Because a lot of these other guys, they'll have like super, like hard sounding names. Yeah. Like Ghosty Main sounds super sick. Suicide Boys, like that's like a good band name. You know what I mean? Like a good artist name. And then it's just Mitch, like with it with a dot at the end of it. Mitch, period. Okay, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just I don't know. I thought it was funny, so I went with it. Now I don't know. I kind of see it like a meme. Like some of the references I'm making there too are just for memes. Like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I you, you I'm sure you read the lyrics before we got on. Yeah, like yeah. literally, so, like some of this is just how ridiculous can I write while it still makes makes it sound hard, you know. Have you seen the SpongeBob episode where it's uh, about the Hashling slasher? I don't know about that one. I remember the first movie from like 2005, like going way back, but I don't know about that one. Yeah. So there's this one episode where it's like this horror episode um, where there's like this murderer called the Hashling slasher and SpongeBob is working the night shift. And so like the whole episode revolves around whether or not he's going to get murdered by this hashling slasher character and turns out to just be some regular dude in the end. Um, but I, I just took that and I used that for one of the choruses in the project and just be like, I'm the hashling slasher, you know, like, I think that's, I just think it's goofy and I think it's, it's funny, but I feel like if I maybe push that too far, it might be not like throwing crap on the genre, throwing shit yeah. on the genre, but maybe close. But I think that's the fun of it, right? Like the whole thing is just how absurd can I make it? Um, but also how intense can I make it sound as well? Um, and so like, that's basically a lot of the lines in there. But yeah, it just sounds super, super violent. 
and uh really not how like not what you'd expect for i mean like you can hear my voice i'm pretty chill you know what i mean like i don't come across as like this super energetic super in your face type of guy i'm like uh, really the opposite but um i forget who i was talking to uh he mentioned that music's a place where you can be an alternative voice meaning like you can be like you could say stuff that you otherwise wouldn't say in like a public forum or public setting you know um and it's way less formal than anything if you want it to be right and so i took that and just kind of ran with that like okay i would never say any of this (laughs) literally ever and mean it right and so it's like let's just put this in this little isolated artist thing and make it sound super intense and super violent. I'm not advocating for violence. None of this is advocating for, for anything actually bad or morally wrong. It's more like fighting inner demons to become a more productive member of society loosely, loosely. Um, but if you were to just straight up read the lyrics, it sounds like I'm ready to go kill some people, <laughs> which is the intention. Um, but it's like also just read with a critical eye and you can see that it's one a joke and then two like it, it means you know more to to like look inside yourself and change you know for the better so when you get stuff like maybe since 2017 2018 when the the uh soundcloud stuff started really taking off do you think that like opened people up to just creating whatever they wanted when kind of all the barriers were broken down that did that start around there like when did that start for you did you think previously like genres are separate or like when did that break down for you okay so breaking this up into two parts so the first part you asked about was like the transition from i guess like a barrier to entry for music i think just in my 22 years of life it's always been easier than ever before to make music and put it out there with the advent of youtube soundcloud especially as well you know, that's been super, super easy. People can make music on their phones. They do make music on their phones, laptops, you know, doesn't matter. You make it, put it out for the world to see. Unfortunately, now it's super saturated, um, which is a good thing, though, because it's like anyone can do it. But at the same time, it's like it. you have to be at least decent to make it anywhere, I guess, if that makes sense. And so in that way, making stuff on SoundCloud was kind of like the first step for me. Like when I first started out, I was putting stuff on SoundCloud because it was free. And then eventually when I thought that the quality got good enough to be like on major streaming platforms, that's when I jumped on there. But yeah, I think I started in like 20, 2018. So yeah, it's like perfect timing with the, with the 2017 era. Cause that was like the big SoundCloud era too. Like when X and Ski Mask and yeah, uh, like Lil Peep and maybe Denzel Curry as well. I don't, See, I don't remember too much of that time period because it's something that I'm like now retroactively trying to experience because I didn't really listen to music until I got into college. And that wasn't until like late 2017, 2018 kind of thing, which is really weird because it's like, okay, how are you making music and all this stuff? And it's like, there's no proper time to start or stop or whatever you just do when, when you feel like, you know, you can do it. Um, as a tangent, the second part, which was about not the uh, barrier to entry, but when it changed for me, I think you were saying, so I don't know. I don't think any perception of how to make what I make changed. Um, I think you were talking about genre combinations or genre deconstructions. 
I think it's up to the person because something that I'm realizing more and more is like really nothing's original, right? Like I told you the, the essence of where I got all the Mitch stuff from, it's literally just like corpse and then my own perceptions of trap and metal music and then also trap metal, right? From the, what little I've actually heard. Um, taking all those conventions being like, okay, distorted bass, super hard vocals, stuff that sounds really violent. Okay, sweet, that's the recipe. Put that together. And then you have trap metal, but even then like trap metal in itself is a newer genre. And so like, take like bedroom pop, right? Like that's a yeah. genre that didn't exist 10 years ago. Right. Not in its current form. Um, and I watched like some video essay because occasionally I'll find some that aren't pretentious, but um, that, and that I can enjoy. And it was talking about the, the like perception of, newer genres like cloud rap or in the case it was talking about was like bedroom pop like how the perception of bedroom pop has like come about only because people started in their bedrooms and made this kind of lo-fi production and stuff and so i guess to wrap that all back to the actual question i was like i don't think i ever had a chance to solidify myself in one genre for me it's always been um what can i pick from every sound and what can i borrow um in order to make the thing I want to make, right? Um, and that's not to say that what I'm making is unoriginal. It kind of is and it kind of isn't, you know, because regardless of who you listen to, every artist is going to be distinct, right? You can borrow and you can copycat, right? And that's like a different thing. But eventually, you know, you give them enough time, they'll develop into their own sound. Um, and so that's, I don't know, that's a its own little rabbit hole of trying to go into okay what's genre okay what's like a combo genre okay what's an artist doing within that new genre i don't know it's just this whole like taxonomy of different things i don't know i don't even know if that's the right word for that but like you know what i mean like yeah. there's a bunch of different things that we can go into there no very messy very messy but i no, think it's uh just get it out one thing that you i gotta come back around to the literary stuff because i have some well minor background there too but yeah. you know the concept of like the death of the author it's kind of like the birth of the reader as in when you put something out there it's like it now belongs to the community and mm. you can't really control or take ownership do you feel like you know with remixes or splicing stuff is that kind of where you're, you came from as well I think Oh, that's really cool. Cause yeah, like once it's out there, it's out there. Right. So I could put this Mitch stuff. Like I don't, um, for my releases. Right. And for anyone listening, literally feel free to rip me off in any way you want, because I'm a big believer in like, you put stuff out there. Like if music is meant to be listened to, then people should have access to it in all capacities. Right. Like there's this artist, Sophie, who passed away like a little over a year ago, I think. Yeah. But I, I never checked this out actually, but I think I read somewhere that she put like all her stems on the internet for people to just download and remix by themselves. And then they could like do whatever they wanted with that. That's awesome. That's like the perfect instance of how to use music, which is it's communal, it's transformative, and it should be allowed to be accessed by everyone, you know, um, in all capacities. And so I guess to relate it to like the stuff that i'm doing like you can put anything out there and i think the expectation should be that people are going to tamper with it you know um i've recently discovered um like playboy cardi fake albums that exist on youtube yeah. which are basically like 
these producers, really talented producers, a lot of the times, they'll um, like find Playboy Cardi vocals and they'll do their own remixes. They'll add their own production. Um, and so like there's a bunch of just like these fake albums that don't exist in the like quote unquote real music sphere. But it's this underground wave that presents like an, uh, a new like breath, you know, to to their music. And so it's like it's a, something new out of the old. Right. And so like with hip hop and trap and stuff like it's inherently a part of like remix culture like that. Um, I think like lo-fi too, you know, there's a lot of borrowing that goes on and that's just inherently a part of it. I'm like, you can look up literally any Drake, any Kanye song and they'll be like, you'll be like, look up the, some sample in passion fruit. You know what I mean? Like it'll be something that you can just find out there copywritten or otherwise it probably is. But um, for Joe Schmo off the street, right? What's stopping you from finding something that's 50 years beyond copyright something real old school like some paul anka or sinatra you know although that's probably copyright that's a bad example but <laughs> someone less known or i don't know I, I don't know the copyright laws obviously look into that but i think that you should be expecting your stuff to be changed you know when you put it out there it may be a generational thing because you have some people saying you know the classics leave them that they're from a certain time frame and they exist in that context but then you have even with like you know the life of pablo album i don't know if kanye ever said he finished that hmm. that was like for a bunch of years he was and now with a new one too like i think he put out like a three hour almost like deluxe oh yeah with uh is that donda you're talking about yeah and then i think there was some beef with somebody he took off their track but then another track came back so like what do you think of that should all those versions exist or if one goes away and then it comes like it's kind of a hard thing to think about so i think there's a place for like self remixes and different like versions of the same song i remember seeing something about like Lil uzi vert a while ago who um like he had a leak of a song but it was like an older version or something like that and he was saying like don't listen to it because it's not like the best version so like just wait for the album wait for the album something like that maybe it was a playboy cardi album i have no clue but that concept of like accessibility comes into mind then as well um if you didn't want people to listen to it then you should keep your own hard drive of your stuff right obviously when you're in the upper echelon of music creation like that it's a little harder to keep it under wraps even with like major players and proper contracts and things yeah. like that because the music's going to be passing through more hands. But if you have the discipline and you want to just keep like the most pristine version of your stuff um, out there, you know, and that's the limited versions of what you can make and what people can experience, then hold on to your stuff, right? Like it's not hard for a DIY musician to have one hard drive of the stuff that they like are, are keeping in the bank. You know what I mean? Like, and then only release the stuff that they want to release. Um, but I think that if you want to have different, like with my regular, like Justin, the floor God stuff, um, for the past two EPs, the only two EPs, I think that really matter that are on like major platforms and stuff. I, uh, dropped, um, B-sides either on SoundCloud. And then this past time I did it on YouTube, um, where I put up the B-sides, uh, and, and, or alternate versions of songs like that, that weren't quite finished yet, but then I finished it for the actual project. And I think the purpose of that is um, it kind of feeds into 
people's desire to step into the lives of artists and then also like creatives in general like think about why like youtube vlogging is so successful like people are literally just nosy and so vlogging kind of taps into that desire to be like hey what's this person doing today kind of thing right um with varying levels of interest obviously but it's the same concept whenever either i or someone else goes to post and or leak um alternative versions or, or previous versions of a song that isn't out or is out and so it like just as a different avenue for discovery and so ultimately i think it's a good thing right if people were to find the earliest b-sides that i've ever put or if my b-sides for the mitch stuff were leaked because i have quite a few of those that i really don't like but if someone hacked my computer and dropped them all on soundcloud or on youtube or wherever i don't think i would mind it too much i would probably be like yo that's mine can i get some of the ad revenue from those youtube videos um but aside from that like the ownership is out of my hands you know because it's like then i don't know it kind of feeds into the whole remix culture thing too because although that's not quite a remix it's the same of like it's not you who's doing the uploading anymore and so there's inherently something that's going to change the timing the titling maybe the you know minor things but it's still like beyond your control to some extent and so i don't know like if if anything of mine were to be leaked or an alternate version were to be dropped with or without my consent i think it's a a a good thing in the long run yeah there's some of those channels like those 24 hour like youtube streams and it's hard to really even dissect where that comes from who put it up who wants credit and even those like study ambient streams it's really hard to pick apart yeah i think a lot of times with those um especially the bigger ones they're doing a really good job at giving credit where credit is due um and i think it probably i mean this is how i would run it if i had one of those bigger channels is like there's probably some cost to the artist to try to get on those playlists and those 24-hour cycles and that's like a whole different thing as well but for the, the smaller ones that are kind of ripping off music right I think the only real like sin in that is not giving credit to the artist. So if someone were to rip some of my stuff and then upload it under a different name, my thinking, if I were to find it, my thinking would be like, well, okay, you can't do it as good as I'm going to do it. Even if you were to like recreate my stuff or, or try to change my stuff, right. It's never going to be as good as I can make it. Right. Um, But then on the other hand, it's like, at least throw me in the description, at least, you know, credit me in the comments, you know, show it on screen somewhere like, Hey, this is the artist, you know, the Mitch stuff or otherwise, but, but yeah. So I think at the very least, like leaks are okay, but if there isn't credit um, and it's not obvious, like if you were to rip a Drake song or if you were to rip a Kanye song, people would instantly pick that up and be like, I recognize those voices super fast. But if you do it to, like artists like me who aren't anywhere close to that level of uh popularity then it's like a bit of a gray area you know at the, at the most you know um but at the least it's uh you're definitely at fault but yeah i don't know this might sound random but are you near, near gainesville at all yeah so what kind of like uh even kind of software stuff you focus on when you're putting together stuff i have always used ableton I remember there's this free software 
called LMMS. Um, it's just this other whatever. Never learned how to use it. I just only learned how to like drop loops in and stuff. But with Ableton, um, I came up on like a bunch of different tutorials. And at the time, everyone I watched for the most part was using Ableton. And so that's what I learned. And so it's this kind of weird thing because it's like you step into this software and then you don't know what the buttons do. There's so many things to do, but it's really blank. It's like looking at a blank canvas, only like the paint's already chosen maybe, or like the palette or, or texture of the canvas is, I don't know, this is a weird kind of example, but it's like piloting a spaceship, right? Yeah. Uh, you don't know what to do until you know what to do. And so what that means is literally just like hitting a bunch of buttons until something works. And so it was more of like an ease of access for thing, uh, thing for me. So like I was just looking at Ableton stuff. And so when it came to making the Mitch stuff, like I had just gotten this one VST, um, like a little digital instrument called Serum, which is like the go-to, one of the go-to, like if you're a music producer, you got to get Serum. And so basically it's like a synthesizer that's super manual even though it's digital. So like there's a bunch of knobs and stuff so you can tweak the sounds and form whatever sound you want essentially from this one complete kind of thing. Um, and so I was like trying to learn synth design specifically how to make my own 808s because at the time, I think I was really trying to figure out how to make better bass production because while the low end, middle and the high end of sound is all they're all equally important in any mix, right? You're going to have something that you have more of an affinity to. And so something like my main qualm with the uh, EDM genre, right? Because like the, the stuff that I borrow from is, is really EDM heavy too. I think inherently, I think like, I don't know, dubstep or like, I don't know, dark house, if that's mm -hmm. even a genre or I don't even know. But like the, the, like, well, the, the song Ultraviolence on the album is literally like, like a drum and bass song. Like I took drum and bass samples from that. But back to the whole bass design, like I was using Serum because I wanted to learn how to make 808s. And then once I learned how to make this one like super fuzzy um, 808 where it was literally like, I just turn up all the knobs um, to the point to where it sounds like your speakers are breaking. But if you compress it and limit it the right way, it, it like grants you distortion without actually breaking anything and and or without ripping your eardrums completely to ruins which is really really great yeah um, and so that's kind of where where i got not the inspiration because it was just from listening to stuff but the, that was how i did it i used um ableton which you can really use anything but more so i used the serum um you know digital synthesizer where i learned to make the 808s and then how to like get this super good bass sound but also distort it and there's something called downsampling, which is basically like taking, um, let's say like you can make like a really clean sound on like your iPhone, right? Um, but then if you translate it into like a Game Boy, right? If you were to put that same sound and in, into like an 8-bit kind of way, right. that's essentially what downsampling is. It like reduces the bit rate, makes the sound super crunchy. And so what I found, and people listening, again, feel free to use this because this is free, this is gold to me. Um, like take taking bass sounds in particular and downsampling them gives like a really, really good like beef to the bass and then also to the high end because the resulting crunch gives it a lot of like that high end sparkle. Um, and so like just from a like production theory, I guess, standpoint, 
that's where I figured out how to do that. And that's the core of the entire sound is literally like, if you can make a bass that sounds, you know, good in the low end and good in the high end without, you know, completely obliterating the rest of the track, then you're good. Um, and that's the, the general rule of thumb I followed here. Um, but maybe in the future, it'll be a little more balanced. Um, although I do think whatever I make next is going to be even more absurd bass wise, just because I want to make stuff that like you absolutely can't understand the lyrics or anything. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, I just want to, I just want to break speakers. That's all. <laughs> that's all I want. How the AMVs you put out for those Mitch tracks, those are animes. Yeah. So um, thank you for checking those out, by the way. Um, but yeah, so the, some there's like quirks of every genre and so with the trap metal stuff uh i'm like this outsider stepping in with all this uh i say all this you know but like what little music production knowledge i have what little actual genre knowledge i have and trying to step into the space and be like i am trap metal right i feel like that's inherently offensive right even if i mean the community as a whole is is very welcoming and, and awesome in my experience but that was one of the fears of like stepping into the space and um, co-opting, changing all this stuff and, and just being like, I don't know, a new name in the ecosystem. But part of that to, I guess, lessen that blow for me was how many more, not situations, like little tenants of the genre can I also adopt in a way that's tasteful so that when I drop this, it's not this sudden, oh, I'm just stepping in and then leaving. It's like, oh, I'm stepping in and I want to in further ingrain my own musicality in, in the, uh, in the genre moving forward. Right. Cause while it is a side project, I, I want to further the sound. Like it's still something I'm very curious about um, pushing and then also experiencing with others because the collabs on there were really cool too. But with the AMVs, that was one of the other things that I noticed was like a lot of the top dogs um, well, just anyone in the, it's like also trap metal is more of like an underground sound. Right. Yeah. So think, you know, not band camp really, cause that's where all the cool indie kids hang out, but, um, <laughs> SoundCloud, you know, like, like underground rap, like that's where it exists a lot of times too. And so a part of that underground sound, um, it was in the visuals. And so these AMVs anime music videos, um, essentially are like little montages with really cool edits to make it like pulse with the beat or, or yeah. add like some cool filters or whatnot so it's just like you can allow listeners to further step into your world easier um, and so that was my thinking make when i was making those it was like how can i present my music in a way that is welcoming to people who have already experienced it and isn't something that's going to off like be off-putting to them because if i were to release like a regular music video right that might create some dissonance i would think and also I don't have the proper look, right? Like, I feel like there's a certain look to trap metal that I just, I literally cannot produce, yeah. right? My wardrobe is like literally flannels and sweaters. You yeah. know what I mean? Like it's very soft and trap metal is very not. So <laughs> there's that, there's that dissonance there. But so it was like partly that, like, how can I create this welcoming environment for people to step in? And then the second part, which is also kind of furthering the first part is like, how seamlessly can people enter my world and experience it? Because I was on the phone with um, my good friend, Leah, who um, I talked to a while ago on my own show, the So Who's Up Next podcast. But 
she has like social media and stuff and, and knows how to like more properly market music than I ever know uh, or can know right now. Um, and so I, I talked to her and she was saying how a lot of this stuff, uh, the Mitch stuff, isn't something that people can sing along to. Right. And I was like, I completely agree. Right. Like, how would you sing along to most of this stuff um, unless you were reading off the lyric sheet? But um, something else she mentioned was that the sound is more of like an opportunity for people to step into an experience and be like, like a world building aspect. There's a world building aspect inherently to all music, but yeah. to this sound, especially it's more of like, she was saying it's more of like a vibe. Right. And that's an abstract thing within itself, but it's also really true where it's, it's not sing alongable, right. It's not catchy for the most part. Like I think ultraviolence, the like that one is the only one, the drum and bass sounding one is the only one where it's like kind of upbeat. I think, and it's like, okay, you can like dance to this. And that's one of my most popular ones because it, or I think the most at the time of this recording is like at the top of the Spotify, my Spotify page, because it's more poppy like that. And so, I don't know, it's just a lot of considerations. And so with the AMV too, it's like a visual, take a book, for example, if you're reading a book, it's, it's a little easier I've found to get in to get lost in the world of the book if you're also listening to the audio version of it yeah. at the same time as you're reading it right because then you're stimulating your eyes and your ears right um, and so same idea translated to music it's literally like okay i have this sound that if you're wearing headphones it will completely engulf your skull in mitch sounds right and that's awesome um and that's the point of that but it's like okay how can you take that a step further and so it's through the visuals and then further you know down the line if i were to ever perform under the Mitch name, which I would be out of breath literally the entire time because yeah. the the technique I it's it's all breath control. And that is the weakest part of my game. <laughs> so okay. it's just like like I'm just exhaling literally the entire time. So but, but that I think would be like the next step because that's more of like a physical, okay, maybe we're in a mosh pit, maybe we're, you know, at least dancing, or maybe we're at least like feeling the bass physically hit our chests and like restart our hearts a bit, you know? And so it's like all the, all these questions, it's like, how do you produce a more immersive atmosphere? And so ultimately that's what the AMVs were for. You ever listen to heard the artist Dorian Electra? Um, I think I've heard of Dorian Electra. Haven't listened to too much. Done of... some song with um, the hundred Gex. You know, yeah. The... Yeah. And even with the group, the kind of activist group Pussy Riot. Mm. So they did some collaborations just on like, I don't know, their, their lifestyle and just some of the things they really care about. So, you know, when an artist or band maybe has like an activist element, like, do you think that's important? I think, mm, yeah, that's because I feel like taking the, the word activism means two different things um, for like bands and groups like 100 Gex, like Dorian Electra, um because they're in the lgbtq all the other letters space yeah. right plus right um whereas like trap metal not so much right not saying that it doesn't exist i'm just saying that's like not a primary focus for like if you listen to trap metal it's not inherently um anything other than rebellious i think right and so in that sense there's activism against uh like the normative sound of regular trap and or regular metal right i guess even to extend that too to remixes right those are inherently advocating for rebellion as well because it's like you're taking a sound and changing it 
in some way, hopefully significantly. But then the argument behind that, if you want to read into it, make it all pretentious, but it's totally valid as well. Like you're advocating that there might be a better alternative for the sound, right? Hyperpop, especially, there's a lot of remixes, um, I think, and it's more remixable because it's more like internet-y inherently as well. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I think that that's my main take on activism. Like it, it all music is advocating for something. Um, but then when you look to like political, av- av- uh, what's the word? Activism. Um, that might be something different than like, I don't know. I'm on Kanye's Spotify page, right? Look at, um, what was the, the Jesus is King album, right? Yeah. That could inherently be read as like a, um, pro-religion. It probably is a pro-religion, uh, album, right? Pro-Christianity. That's its inherent argument, but whether or not people listen to it like that, um, I mean, is up to them, even on the, (laughs) I'm reading the track, it's literally called follow God, right? That's an instruction to the listeners, right? But I don't know. And so, I mean, I guess the same could be said for any genre, whether you like it or not, you're inherently advocating for something at the very least. It's not political. It's not anything else. It's like, can you buy into a story, right? Because it's like you're the the grassroots, right? To use a, a proper political term, but to make this apolitical as well is like, you're arguing for a fiction that you create. And the argument is, um, or well, not the argument, but like the, the advocacy is for a world that you can offer to people. And so it's up to them whether or not they want to step into it and buy into it and believe it and believe you. I don't know. That, that's a cool thought as well. I appreciate that question a lot because that's something I haven't given too much thought to, but there's a lot. There's so much like literally books can be written on this. No, Probably the way you are. answered it makes me think of it differently as well, because really, if it's like your lived experience, then that could be activist, but that's just you at the same time, right? Yeah, it's it's weird that you mentioned that too, because it is inherently subjective, even in the, like more so, I guess, in the creative or cre- aspects of creation, right? Um, because y- you're going to have your own perception of your stuff, but then once it's out there people are going to interpret it however they want as well so it's like oh does it line up with the do do people's perceptions line up with the artist's perceptions is that a good or bad thing should it be a good or bad thing so many more questions with that as well but like everyone's just kind of offering their own page in the the story of the collective life you know of humanity or musicality or however you want to see it like there's this part in like dead poet society um the movie where robin williams says like something to the effect of everyone's adding their own page in the uh in the like basically like collective history of of humanity you know of people um so like that's the service that's the the meaning right if you want to go that route too a lot to think about yeah i know even a few authors like one of stephen king's books he actually took down after like an incident years and years ago was connected to it Hmm. like he wasn't sure but I forget it was one of the lesser books but even you have like you know Catcher in the Rye where like at least three or four incidents have been you know quote inspired by it and maybe one or two but you know three four five and um, maybe as an author or a creator it might get you thinking like okay what what's really going on here it's not what I but you know if someone feels so strongly about this like what's actually happening here yeah And I feel like that's a consideration to think of too. And that was one of my 
concerns when I was making the Mitch stuff was because I knew it inherently sounds like demon worshiper music, or at least that's how I would perceive it if I didn't read into it, right? That's, I would say, probably an inherently bad thing to make this thing that sounds awful and sounds like it would advocate for awful things. But I feel like that's the good part of it too, because it's like, once you get past the the kind of smoke and mirrors of the genre, like the the fluff, right? then the the underside of it is this goodness this productivity that i'm trying to advocate for in the sound um i mean people are going to spin it how they're going to spin it regardless um but something that i've experienced right and then even talking about that like this is all over twitter too i remember um like metal fans were talking about the travis scott thing right um and i mean that's obviously unfortunate right that shouldn't have happened but the metal people the hardcore rock people were saying like this would never happen at a metal show because the mosh pit culture in those circles is like someone gets knocked down you can push them down again but just make sure you bring them you, you pull them up first you know make sure you take care of your people and going back even further like i remember i mean this isn't even genre close right but the john Be- john john the john bellion concert that i went to yeah. a while ago towards the beginning this one girl passed out and like Moses, this man parted the seas of people. Right. He was like, move aside, move aside. Coolest shit I've ever seen. And, uh, and he was like, let's get this girl some water. You know, security or whoever um, got her out of there and she was all right. Um, but it was just that moment of like, take care of your people, you know? And I feel like as the artist, as the person making what you're going to make, you have to think about, um, to, to tie that all back to the beginning, it's like you have to at least perceive some uh, idea or, or conceive of some ideas of uh, how your stuff might be perceived by people um, for better or for worse for, or, you know, however it's going to be. So I haven't done this yet, but I do want to put not quite a disclaimer, but like a um, maybe one line, two line, like advocacy uh, statement in my Mitch Spotify bio. Right. And be like, this music is for the killing of your inner demons. Right. And so that's, maybe one of the many interpretations of it but i think it immediately dispels any idea that people would have of taking this music and and wanting to do harm to others right inherently none of that is is even what i'm coming close to talking about right but the packaging to some soccer moms some soccer karens right might come off that way and so that is something that i thought about and something that i will continue to think about um but at the end of the day um i feel like you distance yourself from it by you know making the brand completely not what your what, what that packaging um or the perception of that packaging might entail but i feel like that's also like deconstructing those perceptions on more violent genres like proper metal or trap metal or i don't know rage beats or whatever the heck right that's uh the not burden of the artist but a burden that the whole community has to take on as well and slowly transforms as these things become more accessible as you see more hardcore looking people on TikTok or Instagram, um, but you see them smile and you see them maybe do, you know, nice things for people or, or whatever, right? It's just these little things that can change perception as well um, that I think over time will become lighter. And so like the, the music landscape regarding these perceptions will become more progressive, more open, more um, warming and heartwarming as well. Definitely. Now, I don't want to take too much more of your time. I already uh, appreciate, you know, how much we've been able to get through. 
But yeah, you mentioned someone like Lil Peep, and that was obviously an, another tragic thing, you know, just 21. But do you think in some cases when someone kind of gets so big in their community, it's almost like the character can take on the person? I'm not sure if that's happened with him, but just being like, oh yeah, he's so like introspective and he's got these moods and, you know, can access these areas. And maybe it's like, you know, if I'm that, then, you know, in the sense like the drugs were part of it, but I'm not sure if some, like you said, should be there some responsibility to say like, yeah, this is my work, but you get to a level. And I don't know if in that case it was like, I think it was a fan or something gave him bad drugs or something. Yeah. Or, and again, that can, obviously none of us were there, like what actually happened, but maybe just, you know, the whole persona was like, this is how I have to be to present to my fans. Right. Yeah, that, that's that's a hard one too because I can't speak to Lil Peep's behavior, Gustav Ayer's be- behavior um, before he even got into music. So not to place blame or whatever, but what's to say that he already wasn't going down a darker path anyway, right? But aside from that, and more importantly from that, is like there's uh, a distinction to be made between art and the artist. And I think that every artist should separate themselves from what they create Um, regardless of whether it's inherently sad or mad or bad or good right because because we we can fall victim it doesn't have to be an art um, or any you know proper or or I guess creative space right every person's perception of themselves can overtake their actual self if that makes sense if they let them if they let their guard down for too long there's this one artist I follow named Julian Baker and um she said in an interview that she's been asked a lot, like, are you a sad person because you write sad music? And she said, no, she said, she's a very happy person. She just writes sad songs. And so that statement um, really resonated with me because it was like, you don't need to be, although it might help if you are in these headspaces, headspaces of, um, you know, uh, elation or depression, you know, whatever you're feeling that can definitely help it but it's not a, not a necessity and it's not something that you should bank on when you're making stuff. And then further from that, it's not something that if you continually make gospel music, right. With the Jesus is King album, like if, if, if Donda was more like Jesus is King, right. Then um, would we say Kanye's uh, like a Christian artist, right. I mean, he would say he's a Christian artist, but like his music, all of it, like his whole discography isn't inherently Christian. Right. Um, I mean, it can be read that way and that's an interpretation as well. But more importantly, like if you're looking to people like Lil Peep who make emo rap or, or made emo rap, you know, that's not to say that he's inherently that, you know, he's not inherently uh, an emo person, right? The look probably, you know, contributed to that. I'm a big believer in like feng shui and you are what you repeat kind of things. So I don't know, that that's a consideration as well, but it's, there's there's a distinction to be made, a separation to be made between art and the artist. Um, it's important. I think it should be um, respected, even at the highest tiers of music creation, because um, at the end of the day, we're all just people. And so I feel like if you don't have a, not strong, that's the wrong word, um, and I don't want to make it seem like I'm about to bash mental health, but yeah. if you don't have the proper head on your shoulders, the proper mindset to absorb the flack that comes with getting more clout as you go up i think you're more susceptible to that right 
I don't know. And I don't want to tangent too far into it, but I think that's essentially it. It's like you need to be mindful of your own mind. Um, and that can be helped in who you surround yourself with as well, um, who you talk to, maybe go to therapy. Maybe you just like, I, I journal a lot. That's something I do. And yeah. that kind of keeps my own head. Um, I feel like in a, in a good space for the most, for most of it, I can analyze my own behavior. Um, but I don't know, just stuff like that. Just literally like thinking about thinking about yourself, you know, a lot of thoughts there, but <laughs> yeah, but yeah, that's essentially it. No, I didn't want to take too much more time, but I think even in terms of like social media and, you know, community groups can create like a, a version of a person like this is a bunch of years ago, but like even like someone like Taylor Swift, mm. all these guys were like, this is like a paragon of whiteness and oh, all yeah. this stuff. And she didn't really step in one way or another. And then, you know, when she does make a statement politically or otherwise, like, oh, now she's against us. And it's just mm. weird how some groups might like, yeah, make their own reality. And on social media, I guess, I'm not sure if that exacerbates it or what. Yeah, I mean, I think it would um because it's like that's out of your control too right like if, if someone were to you know say kanye is a flat earther right which could be a possibility knowing kanye right and i guess more power to you if you want to i mean you believe in what you want to believe but like that it, it could not exist in, in this whole thing like if it were an actual like if there were pages on pages of people talking about kanye is a flat earther but he's never said himself the earth is flat then what is that, right? Like that's public perception, maybe attempting to change the individual. Um, and that's a dangerous thing as well. But I think that the artist is ultimately what the artist wants to be, right? So if Kanye were to say, okay, I do or don't believe in flat earth, then we can open that, um, the, the Schrodinger's cat phenomenon comes to an end because it's like, then he is or he isn't, right? But until then, it's up to the public to determine whether or not that cat in the box is alive or dead. Um, and so I don't know, that's another complication of it, but I feel like, I don't know, you just yeah. got to be mindful of it because it, it will exist in all levels uh, to varying degrees as well. That was my interview with Justin the Floor God, a musician from Florida. Check out his side project, Mitch. And if so, who's up next podcast? This has been Cambrio for CambrioMusic.com. Thanks so much for coming by.